0: In an era of online retail, where everything is just a few clicks away, buying a car should be no different. That's why at Carvana, you can buy a car 100% online. We made it easy to browse, view, and buy from over 10,000 cars. You can even trade in your old car, all while binge-watching your favorite TV show. Afterwards, we'll deliver your car to you, or you can pick it up from one of our car vending machines. Either way, your car comes with a seven-day return policy. So grab a seat, relax in your comfy pants, and enjoy the new way to buy a car at Carvana.
1: And welcome back for a brand new episode of The Witching Hour. I am Perry Nemrop and I'm looking at my co-host Haley Fouch. Hi, Haley. Hi. How you doing? Oh, I'm okay. How are you? Okay. What's the weather like on the West Coast right now? It's hot. It's very hot. We're having a heat wave. Jealous. Should I be jealous? No. Okay. <laughs> we're having
2: a heat a- wave, but we're like up to the 90s today.
1: All right, that's hot. We're having a. a- Cold, gray, and gloomy day here in New York. It's still weird that we're on the opposite sides of the country right now. (laughs) I know. So, you know what's really messing with my head right now Mm -hmm. is that I'm about – I have monthly contacts, and I'm about to change them in New York for the second time. Ooh. That means I've been here in New York for – it's definitely not two months, but it's – like, it's putting the two-month idea in my head. Yeah, it's a
2: stretch. We all just got to cozy in. Um, I have no sense of time. I was talking to the people the other day, and I said, for some reason, three weeks. And they were like, it has been so much more than three weeks. And I said, prove it, because I don't know what time is.
1: Oh, it's been a lot more than three weeks. No,
2: I, I know that it is. I'm aware of days, but not in my <laughs> head.
1: I, I'm just like looking at my calendar now just to see... When I flew to New York, I flew to New York. I arrived on Monday the 16th. So I have been here for well over a month now. Wow. My apartment, I miss it. <laughs> oh. And Dewey's not even paying me any attention right now. He's busy sleeping in a basket. He's got life made now. He, he's like the king of quarantine living. Yeah. I will tell you that, though. he I think he is the only one that might be like, happier just because he's getting more attention nonstop from everybody. He's got like a steady stream of people that come in to visit him now every single day.
2: Yeah. Kitty's definitely happier. I know people have been joking a lot about their cats, not wanting them to be at home. And I think for the first like week Kitty was hiding and she was like, why is everyone here all the time? But now she's stoked. She wants all the love.
1: Yeah. I think that's the case over here too. Um, So in addition to pets, something else we could be doing right now to pass the time is watch movies you can do that you can and Haley was very insistent that i watch a certain movie and that certain movie is underwater which was a top priority for me back when it hit theaters in january but for i think it was because of sundance or something i missed it was it maybe it came out before sundance whatever i missed it and now i watched it and i didn't like it you didn't like it i didn't like it i'm so sad I'm so sad. I feel like I'm bursting. I'm bursting the bubble right now. And I'm also a really big fan of that director, William Eubank, because I and I, and I know this movie got a mixed response, but I happen to have loved his last feature film, The Signal. Like mm-hmm. I got really obsessed with that movie, and I don't know. Just everything about this idea seemed like it was so right up my alley, and th- then it wasn't. <laughs> I have, I've got two very, I have a lot of little things that I I could pick apart, but the two biggest criticisms that I have are, I think I needed to feel a little more attached to the cast of characters. So I think the film could have benefited from some, you know, day to day time with them before disaster strikes. Yeah, and also I found it important possibly dark to watch. I had no clue. I I don't know, maybe it was different just going from theater to home viewing, but you know, we have a pretty a pretty decent TV here and like I couldn't see, I couldn't see a thing. I had no clue what the geography was and it it made a lot of the action set pieces not especially exhilarating. That's interesting. I watched it on
2: my computer and I could see it very clearly. But you know, computers are pretty good quality screens mm-hmm. these days. Um, so yeah, that's interesting. That's like um, it reminds me of that episode of Game of Thrones that I could not see when everyone was like, "It's so beautiful," and I'm like, yeah. "What are you talking about? It's a black screen." <laughs> I don't think you were alone on that one, though. No, but I did watch it later in like a really good setup and it was beautiful. It was just too demanding for like home viewership. Yeah,
1: I've never noticed this before on this TV, but for, for whatever, maybe I was sitting too far away from it or something, but yeah, I mean, you, okay, know, you know, know me, know. I'm like a stickler for the details. So I wanted to like be around for the entire thing. And I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't find a focus. Huh.
2: That's too bad. Cause it has some really cool shots in there. Um. I,
1: well, he he does have a really good eye. I mean, just stagnant visuals—you could see it all over the place in this movie. He's a very talented director.
2: Yeah, he's got. Um, I think he would admit, like, he's he's shooting for aesthetic a lot. Like, there's a lot of stuff that seems to have been designed like what looks the coolest first. Mm-hmm.
1: I think in the visual department, my complaints are specifically about, like, the more frenetic action set pieces. Mm-hmm. But other otherwise, there were some very cool visuals, especially, like, you know, he's got a couple of, uh, you know, silhouettes of Kristen Stewart that were just absolutely stunning.
2: Yeah, she's great. Um, she I, great. It's funny to, like, just because she's so famous, you kind of know how long this movie sat on the shelf because of her hair. Like, that hairdo for her was so long (laughs) ago. (laughs) Uh, But I I thought she was really good, and I I wish... I don't know. I wish she got to do more action-y stuff like this. She's always, like, she gets the good roles in the really indie films. And I thought she commanded the action stuff pretty darn well. I mean, I knew she had uh, Charlie's Angels, and she was a lot of fun in that as well, but that didn't quite take off.
1: (laughs) No, I mean, really, none of her her action-heavy movies, I guess, have. There There were the two of those and so, something. Oh, it's not a- action-heavy. Wasn't she in the Flatliners remake? I don't think so. Oh, was, was, was that her? Oh, no, I'm thinking about Ellen Page. I'm confusing oh, no. her and Ellen Page. I'm like, Fair enough. there's like another really big star in that movie that made me think it was going to be good, and then it was trash. and <laughs> I was very disappointed in that movie, that but that's, that's, that's completely off topic, but I, I think that she's going to do whatever she's interested in doing. And I feel like that's a big part of the reason why I tend to like every single performance she delivers, whether I like the movie overall or not. Because mm-hmm. I don't she she seemed super into what she was doing. And she's just got that natural on-screen charisma where she draws your eyes, she commands the screen nonstop. And you know, she gets the benefit of being the only one to actually have you know, significant backstory and to have a little time pre-disaster, but I think she makes the most of what she gets in that department and she's a great anchor for this.
2: Yeah. I, I have more than I want to say about this. Like when we open up spoilers and I think we don't have to wait too long since this is an older film, but yeah. just for like my impressions. Um, I don't think this is a perfect movie. I don't even think it's a great movie, but I do think it kind of whips ass. And I had a lot of fun with it. Okay. <laughs> There's still
1: opportunities for pull quotes, because put that on a poster. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I just, it's, it's a lot of what I like. I love these kinds of monster movies. You know, Alien is like one of my top five movies. Mm-hmm. It, I always say that. I've never actually counted. But it's up there. And this is basically an Alien ripoff. I say that with affection, but it is. Um, the beats are very directly pulled from alien and the uh, you know, the design of some early creatures mm-hmm. are pulled from alien. Uh, yeah. So I had a lot of fun with it. Like I said, I don't think it's perfect and I don't think it's amazing. I think it's pretty um, pretty much a surface level creature feature that does everything I needed it to do. And then when the spoilers come in, become something way cooler and more interesting to where I was like, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I know exactly what you're getting at. And the second I saw what I saw, I'm like, that's a Haley movie. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And I think that um, maybe it helps that I actually had the big final reveal type thing spoiled for me ahead of time. Hmm. So I knew what we were building towards. And I was able to see sort of the hints that they peppered in and have a lot of fun with that. I wish I had seen it without knowing because the surprise, I think, is probably pretty cool to experience if you are a fan.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But um, knowing also probably didn't hurt.
1: Speaking of Alien, is that a xenomorph right behind you? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I thought I'm, like, forcing myself to see something that isn't really there because you said it and because I'm into it. <laughs> so that really on your wall. Funny uh, thing
2: to say so casually. Is
1: that a xenomorph right behind you? <laughs> I'm surprised there's not one in this room right now. Do you know what is over my shoulder though? Hmm. An across the universe movie? poster. Oh. It's like you can't see it, it's off camera over there. But I feel like that's probably one of the last things you would expect to be hanging up in this bedroom. But I really do like that movie. I
2: like that movie. It's pretty good. I like, like Lon I was like Really into her when I was studying theater because she's a very um, avant-garde theater director. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: for sure. All right. So we've told you a little bit about our non spoiler thoughts on underwater, but I feel like now is the time to move into these spoilers because yeah, let's let's do it. The movie's been the movie hit theaters in January and now you can watch it at home. So spoiler warning, if you have not seen Underwater, this is not the conversation for you. <laughs> let's get into it. Haley, yeah,
2: just because I said I was fine with being spoiled, I encourage you not to be. Like, don't don't be like, yeah, I'll just be spoiled too. Like, I think it'd be a lot of fun if I wasn't. So go away if you haven't seen it. And come back later.
1: So the one word I have for you right now is like kaiju. <laughs> like the second yeah. the second I saw it, I'm like, this is like. Haley is Godzilla e monster mood. Like she's gonna love this creature so damn much. So the second I saw that, I immediately thought of you. I will say, I think the surprise was ruined on me a little bit just because I wasn't feeling the buildup so much. Yeah, but I still liked the ideas, and that's another instance where his visuals come in handy big time and create some really stunning frames. But it it didn't. It, it wasn't like the mind-blowing revelation that i think it was intended to be for me well also i think that maybe
2: you are not picking up the full extent of what he was trying to lay down which is it's not just a kaiju yeah it's cthulhu so this is a secret lovecraft oh, I, movie oh i didn't pick up on that at all
1: yeah it's kind of subtle huh. i will say Wait. um how, like, what, what's the specific thing that tipped you off in that? I'm trying to go beat by beat to see what I missed right now. So it's his design. There are little clues around the There's the shot
2: of the, like, the doll with one eye and the helmet on. And it has arms that look like tentacles. Okay, there's okay. There's on the huh. back of someone's suit, it says, like, we're all mad down here. And you notice that Vincent Cassell's character is, like, slipping mentally a little bit. yeah. And, um, Huh. There's something that I don't think is very clear, which is that when he says his daughter is 14, she's supposed to be dead, I believe. And he yeah. the card later. And yeah. they find the card, yeah. It doesn't play, it, like, it doesn't quite show that he's losing his mind as well as I think it could.
1: Yeah, because you really only get, like, like a quick beat that really hits. I think the thing that you mentioned that I probably saw the most and might have been tipped off by was just like the general visual, visual of the, the big creature at the end. Because, you know, now that you say it, there was like a brief spark where I'm like, that looks familiar. But then again, my mind immediately went to, you know, like a lot of the times when I looked at the creatures, I was thinking, obviously, Kaiju, Godzilla, some of the visuals we just got in, uh, Godzilla King of the Monsters. But also I kept thinking about the, uh, the Demogorgon in Stranger Things mm-hmm. with the with the offshoot guys. There's something yeah. about the, about the face that reminded me a lot of that. <laughs> I could see that.
2: Yeah, and I to, like to be fair. I, this was not conceived as a, a Cthulhu movie. It was something that was changed during the process. Um, William Eubank has talked about this on the record a few times, but like he was making it the way it was originally written. And he was like, it's just not scary enough. And uh, he was showing it to Andy Muschietti, the director of It, who's a friend of his. And he was also like, this is not scary enough. Uh, and helped him, like, redesign it. And basically, he just turned it into a secret Lovecraft movie. Mm-hmm. Redesigned the whole monster, which was originally just supposed to be a giant squid, I guess.
1: I'd... I'm not entirely following why that would make it scarier,
2: oh, I can see why that monster is scarier than a squid
1: no and- i I can maybe understand why that monster is scarier i I no actually I can I mean without seeing the original squid there's there's a very there seems like there is a route to make a squid scary, yeah. Um
2: it is. but also sea fever worked a lot better for you than for me. Oh that
1: it did. I don't know yeah. the I, the the way you're describing it to me right now is is making me think that 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 he's using lovecraft to get the intended effect. Hmm. Interesting. And I, I guess it's just kind of like rubbing me the wrong way, but I've, you know, I've never read his quotes on the matter. So for all I know, the way he said it, it it doesn't come across that way. And it comes more from a place of love and respect for that material, but it just, it's not computing right now for me. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting because I did have the experience of watching
2: this knowing like someone totally didn't mean to, I just said in the work chat, like, I'm going to talk to the director to get some quotes about the ending of the film because I know people are talking about it. And he side slacked me and was like, it's Cthulhu. And I was like, hey, thanks, man. Didn't know that. Um, <gasps> oh, before and, you even saw it. Uh,
1: what? Is that before you even saw it? Yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: shit. But, <laughs> but it's interesting because it sounds like knowing that definitely made me have a better experience with it. Um.
1: So thank you to that accidental spoiling. See, now, not that I want anyone to go in spoiled, but I I do wonder if I would have had a similar reaction had I known what it really was. Yeah. Maybe, Maybe if I had that thought on my mind from the beginning... I would have been a little more entertained looking for clues, but I guess I still would have had the the difficulty with the set pieces, which did take out a good deal of the, the momentum and suspense. So I don't know.
2: <laughs> it's interesting. Like the idea of using Lovecraft, because I wonder how much of like the goodwill that's sort of been low key building up to the movie is just summed up by like, fuck yeah, Cthulhu. Um, and I could probably be, called guilty of that because I fully recognize that there are a lot of flaws in the film like the stuff uh with Vincent Cassell doesn't totally track the stuff with her ex-fiance or her her mm-hmm. deceased fiance doesn't totally track I feel like there's a lot of there wasn't it, nearly enough weight to any of that well and I think it goes back to what you were saying which is that we needed time with them first because they tell us all these things midway through the movie that you're like Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Like the two that are a couple, I totally didn't pick that up until they had the neither whole talk about neither it. Neither did
1: I. And then the second that they make that effect, it was like Smith this and Smith that. And it was kind of, it was kind of annoying. Um, I also really, I, I didn't like how it ended at all. It feel, it always feels like a cop out to me when over the credits, you're seeing what happened to the, the surviving characters. And that, uh. that did like absolutely nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I You know, maybe, and I'm not just saying this because I like Sea Fever, but maybe rather than leaning into Cthulhu, you lean into what they tease in those end credits, which is the horrors of, you know, companies like the the drilling company that was doing all this. And I don't know, I'm just trying to find a backdoor way now to make that the end credits more powerful, but they just felt kind of yeah. cheap, to
2: me. See, I liked him because I went down this like rabbit hole of like, so is because of the state of the world and like these conversations about billionaires, I'm like, is there just some billionaire who like praises the old gods and is trying to raise them and destroy Ooh. humanity? This is my pet theory.
1: I like that idea. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think like that that idea is just like like if it was purely that, it could make for a better movie.
2: That is interesting.
1: And like you actually like it's it's formatted a little more so like a traditional disaster movie where a first act is a build. I do admire, you know, the balls that it takes to actually get the movie from a one to an 11 within minutes of it starting. But it it was too much for me in this case. And it didn't work. And also there Mm -hmm. there just wasn't enough character development during the adventure to make it work.
2: Was it. Interesting choices, like in the sense that the first character you spend time with that's not her is also the first one to die. So that's the only one you really care about at
1: that oh, point. Oh, it's also Mamadou Ati. You don't kill yeah. him off that early. <laughs> what a waste. I love him. He's so He's really good. good. He so little screen time. Yeah. I was very bummed about that, if you couldn't tell.
2: <laughs> I did like the scene itself, though, because I didn't expect it. And it was well done.
1: That was probably one of the better kill scenes in the entire movie for me. That one I yeah. thought was 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 fairly well shot. I think the one that that disappointed me most is probably TJ Miller's death. Like I that, really that one, understand that one fully. Oh, okay. So maybe it wasn't. Maybe it wasn't just the visuals. Maybe there, or maybe it wasn't just the darkness of the visuals. Maybe there were things going on that didn't quite compute because that. That didn't connect for me at at all. Like I, 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 don't, I still don't understand exactly what happened. I believe the gist, and I got it because of a line of dialogue
2: that was probably eighty yards in. Um, <laughs> but I'm I believe the idea is that it ripped him out of his armhole, which is why you see his skin go all mush and then full of blood. Oh, oh no! They,
1: <laughs> it it ripped him out of his suit. What can do that? Oh. Okay, so I, don't, I, I don't know. Maybe gonna, he, uh, my brain was scrambled, but I'm like, did it rip his arm off? And and why would his head pop if he, his arm got ripped off? I like I had no clue. I think the idea,
2: well, also because of the pressurization of the suits, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like we already saw that if the suit is compromised, you could yeah. Um, mm, I, I have to right. uh, address which is my own personal bias when it comes to Vincent Cassell. I refused to accept he was not the villain until the moment he died because he plays creepy guys so much i was like no he's up to something that guy's up to something
1: i was kind of making that assumption as well and i (laughs) i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fully put that weight on vincent cassell's shoulders even though he is very good at that i think it was a, a tonal thing with the movie where they were trying to you think so no, yeah, cuz I think I think that was done on purpose. There was something about the way he was acting from the very beginning, the way he was framed. I mean, even when you think of that very first shot of him being in a room where all the pods were gone, it almost mm. forces you to wonder, "Well, did he help all the people and let them get away, or did he sabotage something?" I, that that was actually one of the first thoughts that went through my head about his character.
2: Interesting. It's not just
1: me. No. No, it's not.
2: Uh, I'll have to revisit it and look at the framing because I definitely like I blamed myself and my view of get Vincent Cassell's resume. Also, he's playing a kind of creepy dude on Westworld right now that I'm watching.
1: I gotta, um, I gotta do my Westworld binge at some point. But some of the reactions aren't really uh, aren't really getting me hyped for that. <laughs>
2: I really liked the first four episodes, like, okay. so very much, and then the last three
1: have just been like, oh, choices. You're making so many choices. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'm probably going to do it regardless at some point, yeah. but that does that does diminish the urgency I feel <laughs> to watch it just a little bit. I will also say, T.J. Miller was driving me nuts the entire movie. Well, that's his thing. Driving me nuts. Yeah, but I think any actor's thing could be comedic relief. And that either goes one way or the other. If it feels like it's just like that actor is just being used to serve that purpose, or if the material is actually funny and that character has value. Mm -hmm. And for most of his screen time, it's just, one ridiculous one-liner after the next. And given how dire their situation was, I found it absolutely absurd that anyone would be saying what he was saying in that moment.
2: Yeah, I do think that's his his thing. And it's like, a I don't know, it's the same problem people had with him in uh, Cloverfield,
1: like which I think was his first out role. See, no, Clo- Cloverfield I did kind of like. And and you know what? This, uh, this might not be... This might be more of a criticism of the movies overall compared to just his performance, but the thing is, with Cloverfield, they did what I was kind of asking for. We got to learn who that group was beforehand, and also, I feel like the scenario in Cloverfield is is a little different, because they're just, you know they're just average people who happen to get caught in a crazy thing that happens in the city. And I feel like he does start to lose that sense of humor as they're running around just a little bit. But the thing is they're all professionals working in that kind of environment and they know the severity of the situation and they know the ins and outs of the suits and all that. I don't, I don't know. It just, it didn't work for me there, but his playfulness in Cloverfield made more sense.
2: I'll, I'll buy into the normal people versus professionals thing. It's like a, it's a different version of the Prometheus problem. Like professional scientists don't act that way.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah. I'm not, well, you know, he's a complicated character that I'm not keen to see in any case. Mm-hmm. But uh, He didn't aggressively bother me outside of his general presence in this one. I, I, yeah, definitely it was Vincent Costell's general air of villainy that was more, like, distracting to me. Yeah,
1: I get that. I was very distracted by how underutilized John Gallagher Jr. was because (laughs) I think he's great. And all he really did was get, you know, dragged around for a good chunk of the film. Um, I did think uh, Jessica Henwick was pretty good, though, with what she got. She really made the most out of that role
2: she did john gallagher jr also on this new season of westworld i believe that's um, weird. <laughs> yeah but maybe, maybe they talk googling, I'm together i'm googling to make sure i didn't get that confused uh but no that's him yeah he's in it yeah i like him a lot yeah he's good i i did like jessica henwick i liked what they did with her character um you hear a lot about like subverting expectations these days. And usually it's pretty much an annoying context, but I thought that was a nice subversion of that character in general. She was more or less playing the like, you know, my brain isn't doing the right thing right now, but the blonde actress and alien, she was supposed to be that kind of role, Mm. but but she, she, uh, you know, grew a pair of tits by the end. It was great. Love it. You love it. All right.
1: I think I'm tapped on underwater. (laughs) Yeah. I mean,
2: yeah, if you're not, like, really hyped for the Cthulhu thing, it's not going to do as much for you, for sure. I
1: know. I'm so disappointed, too, because I, I really wanted to like this movie. I really yeah. thought it was going to be right up my alley. Maybe just too high, uh, like, because it did,
2: I feel like theater-going audiences had the advantage of, based on the release date and the lack of general hype, probably no one thought it was going to be that outstanding. hmm And then it was really fun. So that probably gave it like a good amount of buzz coming into BOD, which may have changed your expectations a bit. Possibly. Um, That happened to me with something last year. I can't remember what, but it was just uh, one of those things where, oh, no, it wasn't last year. And it wasn't to the extent that you feel about this one. It's just that I was not as crazy about A Quiet Place as everyone else because the buzz was so tremendous.
1: I really liked A Quiet Place when it first came out. Like really, really liked it. But then I, I like went into like love thinking it's masterful territory. The more and more I watch it, and it's like I feel like because right before I saw a Quiet Place Two, I rewatched it again, and it's like all over again. I'm just like I, like I couldn't handle how in awe I was of every single level of the filmmaking required. It took to pull that concept off. I, re- I really think that that is a phenomenal film. And see, I
2: am like. Yeah, it's good. It's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> to each their own. Yeah, exactly. We always like, not always, but often, our like our uh, monster movie tastes are just slightly different.
1: No, that's actually that's pretty fair. Because yeah. like, I like the the new Godzilla movies, but not not as much as you.
2: Yeah, and I liked Sea Fever, but I didn't love it. And I, you were like okay with Sweetheart, but you didn't love it. <laughs>
1: but I did. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love Sweetheart. I feel like there was something else that came before that that I was like stupid excited about. Oh man, there's so many movies. I know there is. There, there is no memory. It's incredible how there just isn't enough time still to watch them all. I have so like my list is like down to the floor right now. <laughs> I want to watch everything.
2: Oh well, you're gonna get closer than ever right
1: yeah. now. Yes and no. Kind of. Right now, I've been I've been rewatching a bunch of uh, Friday the Thirteenth movies because I'm uh, mod- I'm doing some virtual Comic Con and moderating two of the panels, and one of them is with Kane Hodder, and I just went back and I'm just specifically watching the ones that he's in, and that that franchise just like coasts on just the simplest concept of like Jason. Yeah. Guy in a hockey mask. It's not the same cuz you know I'm also writing that that Scream ranked list for collider.com mm-hmm. and it's just like when I think about that franchise and specifically when I think about my love for Scream 3, like I feel like actually I would make the same comparison with with Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 3. So it's like Scream 3 and Jurassic Park 3 are both subpar movies. They're not great movies, but the foundation underneath them is so, so strong that mm. it's still fun to re-enter those worlds and be back with those characters. I feel like whereas those those two shitty movies have like that much to stand on, it's like the entire Friday the 13th franchise is standing on like one finger. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I would agree. I mean, it's not my slasher franchise of choice um I was telling you earlier like I, I like the first one and the second one a lot and then I think because of what a small thing it is to stand on I'm like
1: yeah I get it it's incredible I like I seem to have forgotten how different they all are too <laughs> it's like I I totally forgot what new blood was <laughs> like, do you I remember know. what happens in that it's probably been quite some time. Refresh. Right. the main character has uh, like telekinetic abilities. Oh yeah. 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 I, like when when I got to the first scene where that was revealed, I'm like, "Oh shit, I totally forgot that's what this movie was." It's
2: like when Halloween went Cult of Thorn, you get far enough in, you got to throw a new element.
1: It's it, it's very true. And then and then after that, they they go on a boat to Manhattan. Um it's just like that I feel like of all the slasher franchises, though the one that I do rewatch the least is definitely Friday the Thirteenth. That's true
2: for me as well. I, yeah, it's one like I I watch the Nightmare films quite a bit, the scream yeah. films quite a bit. Halloween, I watch the ones I love a lot. Certainly not all of them. Um, Friday the Thirteenth is like once every I don't know. Seven to ten years, I'll give it a go through. Yeah, I've it's been, been a long time for me.
1: Who wrote the? Oh, I think it was Chris Cabin. Remember when we all took a franchise and ranked them? Yeah, that that was that was an experience. I there there's one because I did the Texas Chainsaw Massacre franchise, and that's one of the ones where even though I think there's some shitty installments in that series, like for whatever reason, I still watch them every once in a while, and I can't explain it. <laughs> I would say I actually probably watched that less than Friday the 13th. I'm not even. Uh, Flip flop for me. I've
2: probably only given that whole series a go through twice. Maybe.
1: I feel like I need to rewatch the Alexander Daddario one and like do it with a drinking game. But it's like, I'd be afraid to drink anything. because Every time I laugh out loud, I would like spew beer everywhere. That movie's insane. It's so like it's so inexcusably bad. There is so, so many things in that that so many details that didn't need to be wrong. So many deep There's details that mathematically don't make sense. Oh, Why? Yeah. Why? I Why? did to do that.
2: <sighs> now, that's a crazy movie. That's a crazy, crazy movie. Also. I mean, if we're talking math, let's talk physics. That's not how boobs work. Like, she stay in her shirt for a half hour, that's
1: not real. Wait, to go back to underwater, were you not distracted by how Kristen Stewart is just, like, magically wearing almost no clothing at some point?
2: <laughs> I think that's another alien callback. Um,
1: oh, that seemed like a stretch to me. <laughs>
2: yeah. Yeah, there was a lot of semi-nude Kristen Stewart. Yeah. It's one of those things like you can logically go yeah when you're in the suit you kind of have to not have a lot on but then you go yeah but yeah. like definitely the studio was just like let's have Kristen Stewart a little bit naked
1: but do you though like you you have to be able to get into that gigantic suit with with like whatever clothing you were wearing prior there? Guess, was, was there a scene where she gave her pants to Jessica Henwick's character? <laughs> like, girl, <laughs> am I making this up? Like early on, where she's like, "Like here, take these or something." It's possible. I think there is a scene. I don't know, but that
2: that um, that was very distracting to me. That's friendship for you. Take my real <laughs> yeah, in this great crisis. <laughs>
1: I feel like as much as, like, I love you and a lot of my other friends, the last thing in the world I would think is, like, hold on, let me give someone in me my pants and then we yeah. can keep running. Yeah, no, probably
2: not. They're probably oh. staying on.
1: <laughs> what have you been watching lately other than underwater?
2: Oh, it's not like I've been watching that full time. Um, <laughs> no, <I've- you're> not? <laughs> We have the like the the ba- a mini battle of the Chris's and streaming this weekend. Uh, Chris Evans has defending Jacob on Apple TV. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Chris uh, Hemsworth has Extraction on Netflix. Both of which are uh, for me. I I think they're both like pretty flawed with some really cool highlights in them um extraction is, the highlights are obviously the action scenes are quite mm-hmm. good but it's kind of a really mean spirited movie in a lot of Ooh. ways that i don't think were necessary and yeah. uh that's for some people it's not for me i watch a lot of action i watch a lot of dtv action i don't need an action movie to be extraordinary for me to love it i don't want something that makes me feel like kind of gross though and there's just some choices in this one.
1: Are you able to explain more why it made you feel that way without getting into spoilers? Like, what, what, what does it do that is gross?
2: I would say, like, cavalier cruelty for manipulation of the audience. Like, it makes really cruel choices expressly as, like, a shortcut to make you
1: feel bad, I think. And I don't really care for that. Yeah, um, I mean, you know how I feel about mean-spirited movies, so I <laughs> probably won't bother with that one this weekend. I mean,
2: it's worth checking out for the action. There is a 12-minute one that's quite impressive, and um, mm. Hemsworth is great. There's a supporting actor who I'm not familiar with who, who plays like this. Um... So the setup is basically like Chris Hemsworth is a mercenary, and he has to go rescue this drug lord's kid who's been kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also this guy who works for the drug lord father who's, like, tasked with saving him. But somehow him and Chris Hemsworth wind up on opposite sides of that battle. And I, I liked his performance quite a bit, uh, via the other gentleman.
1: Well, now you're making me all confused.
2: <laughs>
1: what do I do this weekend now?
2: It's not a black and white. There are good and there are bad. <laughs> uh, but overall, I will say that it's um, it. it, it it didn't make me feel good, and I it w- it made me feel bad to the point that I had trouble enjoying some of the good things, and the mm-hmm. things that made me feel bad didn't feel earned as a part of like arc, just as as almost as ugly decoration. Um, as far as defending Jacob, that one I started out super duper enjoying. It's a murder mystery. Chris Evans plays a an assistant di- district attorney in Massachusetts. And then his son is accused of murdering a schoolmate. Mm-hmm. And it's like a mm. murder, mystery, thriller, courtroom, drama type situation. Uh, Chris Evans is obviously wonderful. Um, Jaden Martell is excellent because you really feel for that kid. But you're also like, shit, sure, maybe you are a murderer. I don't know. You're creepy as hell. But also, <laughs> like, I do feel bad for you. I hope you're okay. But did you kill someone? I don't know. So he's very good at walking that
1: line, Um, but overall, does it not stick the landing? No, it doesn't. (laughs) All right. Hey, overall,
2: it gets really um, like it's too long. It doesn't have enough to fill the space. It makes some crazy turns that feel crazy, even though you can kind of see them coming. And then it totally doesn't stick the landing, which I was like, oh, so many choices you just made.
1: (laughs) That seems to be a a theme of a lot of things out there right now. Yeah. I actually watched from beginning to end Little Fires Everywhere. Did you like it? I I really enjoyed it. But there are many a moments of extreme melodrama And for a good chunk of the season, I'm like, wow, all of you people suck. Can (laughs) you stop making terrible decisions that very clearly will harm another person and then maybe we'll be okay? But then, you know, it's one of those shows, and this isn't a spoiler at all, that teases the end of the show at the beginning. So you're thinking about that thing the entire time. And the reveal of how it happens is... You know, they definitely plant the seeds, and and I understand what they're trying to say with it, but it is absurd. Mm. Or at least I found it kind of absurd. But yeah, I I still I still think it was good and it was well worth a watch. That was also
2: sort of, uh, am I wrong? Adapted from like a paperback thriller bestseller yeah. type thing. Yep. How many episodes was it?
1: Uh, I feel like eight sounds about
2: right. I don't know. I it just feel like just because Big Little Lies was able to turn a page turning paperback bestseller into a
1: serialized TV show doesn't mean everyone should be doing it because some of those stories are meant to be small. I don't even know if this is an issue. Like, I, actually, I you know, I probably shouldn't speak to this having not read the book. But I I thought that as an on book reader at least, they had a, enough material to fill that time. And one of the benefits of the show is even though I think a lot of the characters make dumb decisions, there's something about them and there's something about their vibe and their chemistry that makes you want to spend time with them and and watch them, you know, maneuvering and exploring and learning. So I don't necessarily think it was an issue of them not having enough content to suit eight episodes. It was more, It was more the fact that ultimately the show felt like, you know, a potentially award worthy, serious drama, and then a soap opera. Hmm. (laughs) And it just teetered back and forth on that line from start to finish until it completely flopped over onto the other side. Okay.
2: I kind of would say the same thing about Defending Jacob. I'm almost done writing my uh print review for the website i had to pause to record this but i was saying pretty much the same thing which is the show can't like it wants to have it both ways it wants to be a paperback pulp thriller mm-hmm. and prestige tv and by okay. trying to be both that doesn't quite fulfill either
1: that is a great way to describe it because i think that is a very accurate description of this as well huh, huh. huh. You got good thoughts. I, did, I do want to shout out uh, two performances, though. So, I mean, I guess, very light spoiler. I'm not going to spoil the details. But at one point in the show, they do, like, a flashback episode, to younger versions of uh, Kerry Washington and Reese Witherspoon's characters. And I think they were two of my favorite performances that I've seen on TV in a very, very long time. I was... Really blown away by how accurate they felt, but also, you know, they they stood on their own two feet as well. It didn't feel like a complete and uh, like an imitation. But uh, Anna Sophia Robb played young Reese Witherspoon, and Tiffany exactly. Boone played young Kerry Washington. I thought they were both excellent, but Tiffany Boone in particular. I don't know. I am I would place my bets on her as being a very, very big thing in the future. Because what she did in that episode w- was truly mind-blowing to me. And I, ne- from now on, whatever her name is attached to, I will probably seek it out. Oh, nice. Yeah. Excited me. Um, I, I get very excited when I, you know, see new talent or at least talent that's new to me that, you know, puts them on my list.
2: Yeah, I'm not familiar with her. Um, I was just looking her up, but I will say Anna-Sophia Robb as a young Reese Witherspoon is just good physical casting. That's excellent.
1: It it made a lot of sense. It worked very, very well. (laughs) Since
2: you did, I'll highlight a couple low-key performances in Defending Jacob. Yes, please. Um, J.K. Simmons always makes every scene he's in better by, you know, double. He's just a gift. And he doesn't have a ton in the show, but every time he's on, you're like, yes, it's a J.K. Simmons scene. Ah, I got so excited to drop things. <laughs> um, and likewise, the great Cherry Jones plays the uh, defending counsel of Jaden Martel And, oh, God, she just is like, what's the, oh, why am I so stupid? The name of uh, the, the most famous, like, attorney in film who everyone loves
1: to kill a mockingbird. Oh, Atticus Finch. Thank you. I cannot (laughs) believe I pulled that. Like I'm, I just, I actually did. You know how I didn't read any books in school? Mm -hmm. I've already told you you that. (laughs) Not to take away from your point, but the, the Perry stages of reading were in high school, never read almost any books I would just read the cliff and spark notes. Then when I got my first job at New York One and I was forced to just like sit and wait for things to happen, that's when I started to actually read books. So all of those books that you should have read as a high school student, I didn't except for To Kill a Mockingbird and I also read because this was a random book that was part of my curriculum for some reason, Bel Canto. Okay, <laughs> I was really into that
2: too. Nice. So yeah. All right. Well, that she's channeling that in the role, and it's you love to see it.
1: I like uh, her in everything.
2: Oh, Everything she's incredible,
1: yeah. legend. She doesn't, she doesn't get like the credit she deserves ever. To no, I feel like we don't talk about her nearly enough, even though I think she's she's an Emmy an Emmy winner, right?
2: Yeah, she's just one of those great character actors who's never going to be super famous, but is going to continue to be like, every time you see him, you're going to be like, well, that was phenomenal. And thank God for theater where she is a bona fide legend, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. As long as she's getting some of the credit she deserves. Yeah,
2: she's incredible. Um, She's just like, capable of this calming, charismatic, like,
1: she's commanding. You Mm -hmm. trust
2: her. Like you want her on your team.
1: I'm trying to think of some others that I would put in that category. Hmm.
2: Well, it's a little obvious because they're in the same show, but like Chris Evans definitely has that as Captain America. Yeah, command, that comfort, that trust.
1: That's true. I was actually um, going to apply the same thought to Kristen Stewart in Underwater. You know, oh. even though she has her her moments where you know she's scared and wavering and isn't super confident, I feel like I I do look at a character like that and trust that they have a chance of making it out. Right.
2: Uh, well, by the same token, obviously Ripley is one of the all time greats of that command. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Stewart and Star Trek, like maybe the goat of like yeah, that longing, comforting command.
1: I feel like there was someone that I just wrote like a similar thing about in a review and now their name is escaping me. Hmm. What what did I review lately? That isn't Quibi. Oh God. I had so much time on Quibi. Oh, Quibi. (laughs) I think I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little scarred. (laughs) Do you think it's ever going to be a thing?
2: Uh, (sighs) Uh, Not not right now. Maybe no. if we go back to taking Ubers and stuff. I mean, I still haven't finished that movie thing.
1: The only I, I haven't finished anything yet, but I, I feel like not everything that I even started is even completed to this point. But the one that I am gonna finish for the sake of reviewing a finished Quibi is The Stranger, which I think is probably you know kind of like what is it rounding third or whatever right now okay
2: i really i will open it up when they premiere barkitecture next month <laughs> i do? saw you
1: shared that that looks so good it's i want so to so see that. Many fancy dog you see you know, boy. mighty extra what is the purpose of doing something like that but i don't care it's a nice thing for dogs that'll entertain me for 10 <laughs> minutes or less guaranteed Season two better have, you know, like, kitty trees or something. Otherwise, I will take offense.
2: Yeah, we're going to have to think up a good pun and then pitch that.
1: <laughs> I'm on board. Uh, all right. Anything else we want to add before we, we cut out?
2: I don't think I, I really haven't been watching that much, is the thing. Like, I I don't have
1: good scoops to share. I've been watching a lot, but only things for interviews. It's like... I, I watched the stuff for Kane Hodder, Hodder and I'm also moderating another one with uh, David Dasmalchin. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm not going to rewatch anything for him. It's it's for a, uh, a graphic novel that he does. So I'm going to read that instead, but I'm not allowed to talk about this other thing that I was watching, even though I'm dying to, but I've gotten the okay to at least say L Fanning and Nicholas Holt are phenomenal in The Great. I'm gonna leave it at that, and I hope my my face mm-hmm, makes mm-hmm. The, the excitement seep off into your your computer, and you want to watch it now. <laughs> it's really good.
2: <laughs> I uh, I didn't make it very far on that one. We had screeners for TCA, and it's just not for me because I don't like that period stuff. Uh, Normally, I don't either. Maybe don't give it another shot. I got okay. I didn't even finish an episode because it just wasn't for me. All right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm
1: afraid to say too much more about it. In right. Right. Breaking embargo, but I'm 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 very excited for May fifteenth. I'll give um, it
2: another shot because okay. I I'm trying to be more open because I did love Little Women so much. And yes. I've never liked a Little Woman in my life. <laughs> so I'm going I'm trying to be more open to the. To the corsets and the dresses and the in the patriarchy and the and the Austens and the all that. Yep, that is a that's a that's a big thing. <laughs> yeah, and I did. I kind of enjoyed. Um, what was the one with Haley Seinfeld on a- Apple TV? Able.
1: Oh, um, oh my God, Dickinson. Yes, Dickinson. Yeah. Okay. that was fun.
2: but it was like a very modernized, very modernized period piece. Yeah. Like, they would have, like, dance breaks to... Did you see...
1: Um, did you see Emma? No, not yet. Mm. I, I quite liked that. Maybe. <laughs> it's, it's fun. I, I feel like I... It, like, if you're... Nah, maybe I wouldn't push as hard on that as I would giving the grade another go.
2: Okay. I'm intrigued. I... I like how many people are upset by how unlikable they say she is in the movie. I find that
1: interesting. Wait, wait. Who are we talking about right now?
2: Emma. Oh.
1: How unlikable she is? Mm-hmm. But the whole point is that she's unlikable and then learns her lesson.
2: Yeah, but I guess they're saying, like, she's... I don't know. I'm not the biggest Jane Austen fan, but I've read a lot of, like, she's unlikable in a different way than she's supposed to be.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I not mean,
0: I don't
2: know. I'm, I'm not a
1: Jane Austen reader, but
2: I just know that a lot of like fans of that literature in my Twitter feed were salty about it, which made yeah. me curious. Okay. And okay. I do, I do like Anya Taylor Joy. She's
1: always good. I like her in everything. I, I actually do, I think that's a very accurate statement. Like I was about to just walk it back because it felt very extreme, but but no, I think I like, I think I truly like her in every single thing I've ever seen her in.
2: To be fair. She hasn't been around very long. There will come a time when a bad movie happens.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Happens to everyone. Yeah, but even if a bad movie happens to somebody, that doesn't necessarily mean that I don't enjoy them in the movie. That's true. Because, um, you know, I, I posted that Nick Holt thing on the website earlier today. And like he's he's a truly another one where it does not matter the quality of the movie around him. I know he will always deliver something that interests me. Yeah, he's great. But no. I
2: had, uh, rewatched about a boy for the first time in years. And that was... He's
1: so yeah, neat. I, have, I haven't given that run a rewatch in too long.
2: Here's my controversial take. Not for me.
1: Oh, really? <laughs> it's not for me. Well, that's how I feel about... I'm trying to think of a controversial one. I don't, I don't like Love Actually. Fair enough. There's a movie that's not for me. (laughs) That everybody loves. So fuck you, Hugh Grant.
2: (laughs) Oh no. Bye. All right. That's why I watched it. I was watching all of Hugh Grant's movies because I hadn't seen most of them. I get why people like him. He's pretty good. He's like a very charming man. No, he is a very charming man. Yeah. I just had never seen all of his classic rom-coms. And so I didn't really get like why he was the sexualized figure. Um, and then I'm I'm like, Oh yeah, I get it. He's super hot and charming. Yeah. Fine. Fair. Yeah, good enough.
1: I, pre- pretty much. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> all right. I feel like we've we, ended on a, a note.
1: We've ended on, <laughs> <laughs> on a note. That's so accurate. It, it's a thing. It's what we do here on the witching hour. Uh, uh, yeah. That's, We'll say goodbye. But guess what? We're going to be back talking more nonsense that I hope you guys enjoy next week. Haley, in the meantime, where can everyone find your work?
2: You can find me on Twitter at
1: Haley Fouch, on Instagram at Haystack McGroovy, on Letterbox at Haley Fouch. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram at PNemeroff and writing a whole bunch for Collider.com with Haley, Adam, Matt, and all the wonderful folks over there. Seriously, I like if I if I am to to pick a little bright spot with all the terrible things going on right now, just like, I don't know, like being a part of the, the website team like I was back in the day. I don't know. That, yeah. that really has, it's, it's like truly brightened my days every single day. And I can't even begin to tell you how much I need that. Yay. So thank you, Haley, and to everybody. All right. We're out of here. That's it. You have officially survived the witching hour.
0: All this is backed up by award-winning, easy-to-use technology. It's a great price with an even greater service. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Does anybody want breakfast? Guys, let's go. I'm leaving for McDonald's in five seconds. Why do you want that? The Breakfast
2: Stampede Meal. It's only at McDonald's, where there's a meal for every morning.